0: (laughs) cool cool it's so good to see all of you Uh, you know what do me a favor look at someone beside you and say you're about to receive some bad advice now look at the other person your second choice and say you've already received bad advice all right cool listen uh here's what i want to do right before we get into this message um uh, it's been weighing on me, and so I wanted to do it in this manner. Um, we got a, a, an email yesterday from our general overseer and mentioned that one of our pastors has been kidnapped in the Congo, uh, Pastor Adolphe Kassamba. And uh, so we want to remember him in prayer here for just a moment, uh, him and his family. And also, uh, we, we've all heard of the devastation that's been taking place in Louisiana, And uh, we have six particular churches who are really going through a bad time right now because of it. But not just that six, there's churches of all denominations, communities that are going through devastation. And uh, we need to lift each other up, you know. Sometimes in those hard times, it's hard to really take it to God. Sometimes you become so negative and you look at your situation and we become woe is me. And we need people who are outside of the situation sometimes to lift us up and to pray for us. So let's pray. Father... We just come before you right now, Lord. We, we lift up the pastor uh, who, who's right now is kidnapped in the Congo, God. We're just asking, Father, Lord, that your hand would swiftly and quickly deal with this situation. That your Holy Spirit will go out and deal with all parties, God. Be with that pastor. Keep him strong. Be with his family. And bring this to a quick resolution, Father. And, and allow him, Father, to be unharmed and anyone else who may be mixed up in this. And God... We also pray for these, uh, the, the community communities in Louisiana that are going through the flooding. We're asking, Lord, for your help, God, that you would uh, just just comfort them, Lord. Help them, Father, Lord, during this terrific time or this bad time that, Lord, they're going through. Strengthen them, Father, Lord. Surround them with individuals to help them. Allow us, God, to be a support. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, I am excited because here we get to go back into bad advice now Last week, many of you who were here, you understood, you know, we received some bad advice and how to what? Drift away from God, all right? And it's it's, it's kind of weird uh, standing here and telling you I'm going to give you some more bad advice this morning, but that's exactly what I'm going to do, all right? I'm going to fill you up with some bad advice and we can take a look at, at our life and, and we can tell ourselves that there are many of us that when we look at the way we live, when we look at the way that we behave, the way we behave it's almost as if we are following bad advice. I mean, we've all been guilty of giving bad advice. You may not want to admit it. Maybe you didn't do it purposely, but it still happened, right? Um, and then we've all been guilty of what? Taking bad advice, doing it. And then you look back and you're like, man, you know what? Really shouldn't have went there. Really shouldn't have done that. And we're going to take a look at God's word today, and uh, we're going to look at some godly advice, but in a way that I'm going to give you bad advice. It doesn't make sense, but it will later on, all right? So I'm going to ask this question first, all right, to you. I want to ask a question of what is it, if you can think in your life of something maybe that you have given bad advice on, how have you been Dissatisfied, or rather, how maybe have you dissatisfied other people? Be honest with yourself. Think about this for a second. It has nothing to do with the question I asked. If I gave you ten thousand dollars right now, who in here wants ten thousand dollars? Well, some of you must have plenty of cash. We have a kitchen fund that really needs some help right now. Not just kidding. Do you like that? That was good, wasn't it? All right. No. Right? Who would want $10,000? I'm not giving you any. But most of you, and, and think about this for a minute. This is where it gets kind of sad. Already some of you are thinking, as I'm talking right now, what you would do with the $10,000. What bill would be paid off? Right? Or... What would be the next big purchase? Down payment on a house, down payment on a new car. You're looking at a new computer. You're looking at a watch. You're looking at a new wardrobe. All these things are flowing through your head. The moment I say, who wants money? Go ahead. I'll give you a head start. Turn to Timothy chapter 6, and 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 8. But when we look at the way we live, when we look at the way we behave, we are all have been subject to bad advice. Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. This is what the word tells us. But godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. Moving on. For we brought nothing into the world. Remember that. Remember that for a second. What did you bring into this world? Nothing Nothing in the physical manner. You brought nothing. All right. So for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Moving on. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Who believes that? Do you? Are you sure? It's kind of a trick question here. Let's be honest. How many of you ate this week? Okay. How many of you have clothing on your back right now? Gosh, I hope all of you. (laughs) That would be a scary moment. But if we have food, we have clothing, then the word of God tells us that we should be what? Content. But... We are not content with the most basic necessities in life. We always are after what? More. We want more. For example, how much money do you think you need to make to really be happy? Don't answer. Don't answer. Just think. That's an interesting question. Because I've always noticed... And I've heard people throughout, you know, my young life, I'm still going to say young, it's only 38 years old, that's still young, right? Sometimes I feel older, but I'm I'm still young, very young to some of you. Right, Pastor? (laughs) But I've heard people say before, man, if I made this amount of money, I would be happy. Cool. I've never heard anyone say if I made this much money less. I would be happy, all right. But the Gallup poll did a study, and it found this. I found this to be interesting. If you earn thirty thousand dollars a year or less, you think that seventy thousand dollars a year would be enough—that you could do anything and everything that you could ever want. But then all of a sudden, you realize something: you have kids, you have summer vacations. You have travel ball, you have first cars to purchase, you have college tuitions, you have weddings to pay for, you have grandkids coming, and that's just kid number one. The process starts all over when you look at kid number two, and number three, and number four, and number five, we're really praying for you. (laughs) And then suddenly, all of a sudden, $70,000 doesn't sound as unlimited as may as might it once was. Now, it also said that those who made $50,000 a year said it would be nice or it would be perfect to take in $100,000 a year. They would be satisfied forever and completely happy. Some of you thought at one point, and now you may make that or have a combined income with your spouse that makes that amount of money, but you have a big mortgage payment, You have several car payments. Kids are in the picture. You have insurance. You have braces. (laughs) And again, that's just kid number one. And $100,000 doesn't quite go just as far as what we might think, does it? In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus tells a parable. And he says this. Do we have that scripture? And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said this, it is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barn and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, hey, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, we see out of this story, once we think we get what we need or what we want or what our desire is, once we have obtained it, for the moment... We begin to think to ourselves, now I can be happy. So I was thinking about this this week. And I was thinking about maybe how people look at us outside of the church. What I mean by that, I was thinking, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a Christ follower. I do the best that I can possibly do to... To live that type of life. To walk that path. To, to act in a manner that, that shows Christ. But I wonder how many times that I look at my life and, and maybe I complain or, or even become complacent in front of other people. And say, you know what, I would really, I think life would be better if I had this. Or if I had that. You see... What I'm getting at there is we have a desire inside of us or at least we should have a desire inside of us to say we want more of God in our life. We should have a desire inside of us that says above all else and above everything else above every possession I may have above every care or need, or even above every want. I should have a desire to want more of God before I want more of anything else in my life. Now, we sit here and and I sit at my house or here in the office as I'm studying this and I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. But then I started to look and say, well, what do people see out of me? What do they see? And so my question here to you for a moment is, what are people seeing out of you? You see, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with wanting some of the finer things of life. I'm not saying anything against that right now. But when it becomes your sole priority and purpose in life to gather your wants and get your desires that you're wanting and people can look at you and and, and question, well, do they even want more of God? Then we have an issue. Then somewhere along the way, we've been guilty of some bad advice. Verse 20 says this, But God said to him, what? You fool. That's that's, that's pretty dangerous right there. That's that's, that's speaking a lie." He says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? We'll stop right there for a moment. Think about that. The scripture says, Jesus speaking, you fool. If your life is fully consumed of what I can get in the natural respect and totally ignoring what you can get in the spiritual respect, then we have a problem. We have an issue. Let's go back to verse 21. This is how it would be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So here we go. Here's where I start off. i got to read this stuff. I told you last week I have to read this because it goes against my total nature. If you wake up and you feel really blessed by God, if you're full of joy that, you could, only come, that could only come from heaven, if you've got a supernatural peace that goes beyond your human ability to understand If you've got great friendships, great relationships, you know that you have health and you live in a great part of the world, as we all do, because we're blessed to be part of a great church family, part of a life group, which you can sign up in the back, surrounded by people who actually care about you, and you find yourself that life is getting so great that you want to be miserable. I'm going to show you exactly how to do that in the next four steps. First, number one, bad advice. Focus on being ungrateful. Paul said this in First Thessalonians chapter five, verses sixteen through seventeen. He said, Rejoice what? That's ridiculous, isn't it? Pray continually, giving what? Thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I mean, who is going to give thanks in all circumstances? Wouldn't we rather gripe in all circumstances? Wouldn't we rather complain in our circumstances? Wouldn't we rather find fault in everyone else rather than looking upon ourselves in our circumstances? Wouldn't we want to foster a genuine spirit of ingratitude that is deep within our soul? What you want to do is you want to resent God's goodness in everyone else's life. Whenever everyone else is blessed, you want to go, oh, who do they think they are? They're not a good person. Go ahead and tell yourself you're way better than them and that you deserve more. Be jealous, be critical, and be envious. If they get a nice car, why don't you go ahead and talk about how high their interest rate was? That they paid too much. If they get a raise, why don't you complain and say you deserve it more than they did? If they're married and you're not, trash talk their spouse. That will make you feel so much better. If they have nicer clothes or get more attention... Tear them down. Resent God's goodness and blessing in their life. After all, you did not receive it. Self-pity for yourself. Ignore his goodness in your own. Don't be grateful for what you have. Don't be thankful for your health. Don't be grateful for your friends. Don't look at the blessings that God has given you. Forget that you have plenty to eat. That when you looked in your closet this morning, there was clothes to wear. That when you looked in your garage or you're in your driveway, there was a car that you could get in and come to church. Go ahead. Focus on being ungrateful and let's see exactly how far that takes you. Number two, compare what you have to people that have more. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. We do not dare to classify or what? Compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves, what are they? Thank you. What are they? That's bad advice. This is our goal. Our goal is to completely be foolish every day. Compare with those who have way more. In other words, if you've kind of like your house, kind of like your house. But then you start binge watching HGTV. <laughs> I'll leave that one right there. Compare everything, compare salaries, compare marriages, (laughs) compare washer and dryers. Let me tell you a story. Laugh for a second, just laugh. I have a washer and dryer. Thank God for my washer and dryer. Shoo! But I look at my washer and dryer and I think it's from the 80s. And it's still working. And I kid you not, sometimes I go in there and I'm like, any day. Because I want a front load washer and a front load dryer. You know what I'm saying? Have we ever been there? Have you been there? I heard a couple the other day going, we really want to buy a new car. But our car that we've got is really good. It's doing what it wants. But it's old. It's really old. And I'm waiting for it to break down so I could go trade it in and get a new car. Okay. If someone else has one of those front end loaders and you got a top loader, I think it's like Montgomery Ward's edition too. Front end loaders, they're the only way to go. It's, it's the look. You watch HDTV, it'll tell you. Here, check this one out. Compare your bodies with other people. Compare them with the anorexic models in magazines that are airbrushed that haven't eaten since 2008. The ones who have invested more in their upper half than invested in retirement. Compare your life with them. Go ahead. Guys, compare whatever. Guns. Salaries. Check this out. Why don't you go ahead. You know what? This this is a good one. This afternoon, do this. Go on social media. And look at how many likes you got for a quote of scripture versus someone else you got for a quote of scripture. And it could be the same quote, but yet they got 20 more likes than you did. And no one knows the life that they're living. I'm glad you guys are laughing at this. Compare with someone that has more than you that is probably one of the biggest ways you can become dissatisfied. If you want to be totally dissatisfied, remember this. Focus on being ungrateful. Focus on it. Number three. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Luke said this in Luke 12, verse 15. He said, Watch out. Be on your guard against what? All kinds of greed. Why is that? Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Man, there's a lot in that scripture to learn from, isn't there? There's a lot to look at in that scripture. Watch out. It's like, hey, it's like big neon LED sign. Right there it says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. How ridiculous is that? We all know life is what you have, right? You are what you drive. You are what you wear. Life is all about things, 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 things. You don't care about eternity, don't care about making a difference, those are shallow. Eternal things, you want to focus on the things that matter when? Right now. The self-centered things. Don't ever settle for the eternal blessing when you can settle for what really doesn't matter now. Think short-term, forget long-term. Focus on the moment. Tell yourself again and again, more is better. This is bad advice. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. And then, number four, I love this one. Develop an attitude of entitlement. Romans 6 23. The wages of sin is death. In other words, what do you think that Paul is saying that we deserve? We actually deserve death. Or do we feel that we deserve so much more? You know, you've had a rough life. You've worked hard for everything you've gotten. And you feel that you should have more coming to you. You deserve more. You deserve those belongings. You deserve those relationships. You deserve those friendships. You deserve that house. You deserve that front end loader. The washing machine. Yes. You deserve a new boat. You deserve a new gun. You deserve a new cell phone because you threw the other one down and it busted to pieces. (laughs) You deserve. Now, that's hard for me to, to say. Those four points are actually difficult just like it was for me last week as we talked about drifting away from God and and how we can drift away from God. I hope that what I'm saying here points in the context of the church. You actually sit back and say, you know what? Everything that Pastor Kevin said, even though we laughed and it was kind of entertaining and humorous, but man, there's a lot of truth. To those statements. Even as Christ's followers, those statements become a reality. And some of you you laugh because you had to laugh the guilt off. Because you know where you walk. I have to look through that and I go, I'm probably guilty of all four of them in some way or another. Because we have we we we've been raised up in a society that says. You've not made it until you've received it. There's more out there for your life in, in, in the realm of possessions. The moment you buy the computer, you take it out, you've all heard the statement. It's already out of date by the time you got it to your car. So you're constantly wanting more. Society has raised us up with this mindset. The moment you bought the trendy clothes, the moment they got into your closet, the trend had changed. What kills me is the moment you buy a new car, the moment you sign it, it devalues like 50% instantly. And so what? We want more because now it's not new. We've been geared this way. But scripture tells us that there's more things of life than just possession. Possession in the natural form. The more things of life are in the possession of our spiritual form. I want to zero in on one big thing that will really help tie these last two weeks together. and I want to ask you this question. Or actually not a question, make this statement. How we live reveals what we believe. How we live reveals what we believe. If you go back to uh, last week, you understood that we talked about drifting away from God. And I kind of told the story about my, my, my little boy Carter. And we were out on the boat and uh, just rehashing it again. Sorry, that's what I do. He's got his life jacket on and he wanted to jump overboard, but the current was real strong that day and we're like, well, it's probably not a good idea. And he's like, well, just put a, tie a rope to me. I'll be all right. Then I won't drift from the boat. And I don't know how many times this week I've had to think about that story. You hear problems in people's lives, problems in your own life, difficulties within your job. And sometimes we feel like the current of life is just taking us. And I said last week, some of you can see the boat faintly. Some of you can't see the boat at all any longer. And it's like life is just happening all around you. And we become what? We become numb. We become numb to things because we choose to become numb. Had a conversation with someone this week who wasn't here for the the service last week. And uh, they made a point to say, you know what? I've just become numb to that problem. I said, be careful. Because that numbness is just going to fester and become a permanent damage in your life. We don't want to become numb. We don't want to ignore the problem. We want to do what? We want to take the problem to God. We want to believe in his scriptures. We want to believe in the plan that he has given us and know that he is going to what? Take care of us through the storms of our life. You can't just keep ignoring things. You have to give these things to God and let God move and work. Paul has said this. uh, Let's go to Philippians chapter three, verses seven through eight. It says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Stop right there for a second. Understand Paul had a problem with entitlement before Christ. He wanted to be recognized. He wanted to be feared. He wanted to be recognized. He wanted to be respected. So you understand right here in this passage of scripture, he says, listen, whatever was before, whatever I have gained, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. Go to verse eight. What is more, I consider this, everything a loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for, though, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now, what I want you to understand here is the word garbage, you know, that's just translated to us in the Greek. The word that was used there, the official meaning was human waste. Think about that for a second. I consider them human waste. What I want to say for a moment is truly knowing is that we truly need to know him. Not knowing just about Jesus, but when you know him in an intimate way, you connect with him spiritually. His words will guide you. His presence will become very intimate. He will lead you. He will empower you. You will realize that you're not doing life alone. When you wake up not living for the temporary pleasures of this world, then you're living for that which lasts what? Eternally. Jesus said in John 17, And this is eternal life, that you may know my Father and that you may know him personally. Christ is everything. He is eternal. He is real. He is truth. He is the living water. He is the vine. He is the rock. We understand him as being the Alpha as well as the Omega the first, the last, the beginning, the end. He is our Redeemer and He is righteous. He is our Lord and He is our Savior. He is the Lion as well as the lamb. And most importantly, he is our soon coming king. And he is the Lord of lords. You see, we all have an enemy who is looking out to devour, to kill us, and to destroy what God is trying to do and implement in your life. When we get caught up in these earthly pleasures, we become distracted by the spiritual guidance or the spiritual strength That God is wanting to give us. Again, like I said before, is it really wrong? Is it wrong to want more for your life? No. It's not wrong to want more for your life. Until you put those things before God. Until you live a life that is ungrateful and that you aren't satisfied. That is when we become and we have a problem. You see... I stand here today and I I, I give these two messages that I've given these last two weeks to give you bad advice in a joking manner, in a humorous and entertainment moment, but to also strike you where it hurts. And that's inside for you to realize that some of these things that I've mentioned, you're actually dealing with. And sometimes, unless somebody reveals it to us, we don't even see it. So what are we going to do moving forward with what has been revealed? You see, last week, many of you said, you know what? Pastor Kevin, I've drifted from God. I'm not as I was when I first committed to him. I'm not as on fire for him. I'm not as passionate. I'm not in that word. I'm not experiencing what I used to experience with him. And I need that to change. And I believe that for many of you that has changed. Remember the parable where the sower threw some out onto the, onto the, uh, the path and what? The seed never produced it, anything. The sower threw some into the, near the rocks and the root wasn't strong enough so when it grew up, what? It, the sun dried it up, it died. Some he threw out into the thorns and the weeds and It tried to grow, but all that stuff around it just choked it out. And then there was some that was thrown out into the good soil. And that produced a large fold. I believe that God has created good soil in every single one of us. And the word, the seed has been thrown out to you. But the question is, is what are you going to do with it? Are you going to choke it out? Are you going to discard it? Are you going to push it aside? Or are you going to allow God's word and message that he's been given to actually implement into your life and to bring change? I want you to stand with me this morning. Today, my prayer will be this, that those of you who are here will have that breakthrough moment. You know, Paul said, I consider all this stuff a loss compared with people who have more. I'm comparing it with people who have settled for less or comparing with the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ for whom I've lost all things as I consider all this other stuff nothing more than human waste. For me to do an altar call this morning to say, you know what, have you ever been caught up in this moment where you've just been dissatisfied? This altar should be completely full. If I were to ask, are there any of you today who are dissatisfied with the way your life's going right now? I wonder how many would raise their hand. If I were at to ask how many of you are fearful of things that could come up in your life and you don't want to become dissatisfied and you want to make sure that everything works out just the way it's supposed to be. I wonder how many would raise their hand. So I'm not going to do any of that. Because I believe that we're all guilty of all of this this morning. Instead, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna ask you, put your hand on the person's shoulder next to you. Go ahead. If you don't have a shoulder, find a shoulder. If this makes you uncomfortable, I'm really sorry, it'll be 30 seconds or less, I promise. We're gonna pray this prayer. This is my closing prayer this morning. Because I believe this is something we all need today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and I pray for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I thank you for your word. I I thank you, Father, for the good advice that you give us through your scriptures. That you point out to us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And for many of us in this room this morning, Lord... We're dissatisfied with life we're dissatisfied with what we have we've had a really poor attitude others have advanced we have not we've only experienced setback some of us in this room today are have placed our wants and desires above our wants and desires of you or what you want of us we become so vague So, God, today our prayer is for one another. Help us. Help us that we can take on the mindset of Paul and seeing this in our life and saying, enough is enough. I need to be content with you, God. Because I know, Lord, if we are content with you, all else will fall into place as it is according to your purpose, your plan, and your will. Because after all, God, that... Lord, is what is most important is your purpose, your plan and your will for our lives not our wants and desires so God, wherever we are in a relationship wherever we are within our marriage wherever we are with our kids, wherever we are within our job wherever we are within our circle of friends, let us not forget that you are number one you sir take sole priority and Father we freely give this to you today so God I pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would help them to live a life not being dissatisfied with what they don't have not focusing on what is not in their possession but focusing on what is in their possession and that is you Jesus Christ so Father we love you We praise you and we worship you. And God, if there's one here today who does not know you, does not know your son, Jesus Christ, as his Lord, as their Lord and Savior, I pray that before they leave here today that they would do that, that they would come and see me and do that. So Father, as we dismiss the service, God, we proclaim this. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name and the church says, amen Amen and amen. We love you guys.